Welcome to Next Steps to Leadership with your host, Dr. Stephen Oliver. In each episode, we invite experts to share their passion and their leadership journey to help you in your next steps. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website, hrcvision.com. Now here's the host of Next Steps to Leadership, Dr. Stephen Oliver. Well, hello to everyone. Welcome. Uh, so glad to have you. I'm Stephen Oliver, or also doc, known as Dr. O, and welcome to my podcast, The Next Steps to Leadership. Uh, again, really glad to have you. Um, so it's I'm so excited to have such a wonderful guest today. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Martha Soren. And so um, Dr. Soren has a, a fantastic career and background and so great to learn from her today. Um, I met Dr. Soren um, when I was going through my own doctoral program at the University of Pennsylvania um, here in, in Philadelphia. And she was one of my uh, mentors and helped to guide me through that doctoral program. And I had the honor of working on a project with some of my colleagues and Dr. Soren and some of her um, folks at Comcast. And it was really an interesting journey. Um, and so we've stayed connected over the years. So, so great to have her. Welcome, Dr. Soren. How are you today? Dr. Oliver, I am fantastic and absolutely pleased to be here with you. And I'm just grateful that I had the experience with you when you were working on your doctorate. And I'm so pleased that we remain colleagues and friends today. So thanks for including me. Sure. Well, it's fantastic. You were at the top of my list when I was thinking of guests to invite. So we've had a really good conversation ahead with Dr. Soren. Um, Dr. Soren has a really um, interesting background working for um, the Department of Army, um, working for Comcast. She was the chief talent development officer. And that was a uh, that is a very large organization. Actually, I can see the tower from um, my bedroom window at the top of my house here in Philadelphia. Um, a lot of people are connected to Comcast for their cable provider and other services. And so um, now she has embarked on her own um, consulting, um, Soren and Associates, and she's an executive coach and advisor. So she is doing a lot. Um, I asked her um, how much time she has and she'll tell you, but she's doing a lot. So <laughs> that's great. So, um, Dr. Soren, I wanted to see if you could tell us about yourself. What are you up to these days? Um, again, you, you've done a lot of things with the Army and nonprofit and Comcast, and now your own CEO. What, what are you up to right now? Well, you know, I'm up to a lot of things, um, Dr. Oliver. I'm having the time of my life in this next phase after two long careers. I'll touch a little bit on my careers, though, because I think it's really important uh, for where I am today. So with Department of Army, I spent 25 years. And during that time, I became an efficiency expert, which means I studied the way work was done. And I helped organizations to redesign and, and to relook the way that work was processed. 
And I also got my foray into learning and development while working for the Army. I validated the programs of instruction for our soldiers for things like how to change a radiator on a Humvee or how to operate at a GBVX environment. And so I would make sure that the soldiers had safe learning environments and they had very sound curriculum. And so that's how I kind of made my way into the world of uh, talent, learning and development. And then at Comcast, I spent 20 years leading talent, learning and development. And uh, the time of my life there, uh, an absolutely great organization. And then two, uh, I took a two year stint away from Department of Army to get some experience in a leadership role in a not for profit organization, which served me well and served Department of Army well when I went back and also served Comcast well. And so today I am an executive advisor and coach to startups in the learning and development space. I spend time with Air Consulting's Elevate Project. I'm on their advisory board and we do pro bono coaching for not-for-profit leaders, which is a fabulous way of spending time and helping others and giving back. And I would say that all of the experience that I had uh, throughout my career before starting my own business is really, uh, it rests on the shoulders of the great organizations I worked with and experienced. So that's so fascinating. That's um, so important efficiency and the way work is done. Right. And I, I think that translates to almost every type of industry and organization and really getting um, managers and leaders to help guide their people. And then um, certainly learning and development is really exploding and changing. So um, it's very fascinating what you just said. Um, so you retired from Comcast, you know, after leading talent, learning, development for 20 years. So, you know, as, as chief development officer, can you tell us a little bit about what your role was like and um, what did you love about it? Um, uh, I know that you there was a lot of customer service involved. That was part sure. of the project my group was with you. So customer service is huge. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Please tell us a little bit about um, what you did and what your role was like and some things that you really loved about it. So you've already mentioned that Comcast is a big organization. And so with a big organization, being the chief talent development officer, it was a really big job. It was a lot of work helping a lot of people. And when I say helping a lot of people, it wasn't just our uh, team, it was also our client base. Because in learning de and development, it's our job, as you well know, to ensure that our employees have the skills, the knowledge, and the abilities that they need in order to give an awesome customer experience. And that was extremely, extremely important to us at Comcast. I think that a few things that I loved most about being the chief talent development officer was that I worked with really great people and really smart people in a culture that was built by the founders of the organization. Uh, it, the culture very much represented Ralph Roberts and his family-like environment that he wanted us to operate within. So it was really easy to go to work every day and work really hard doing what we needed to do to take care of the customer experience and doing that by ensuring we had the right talent prepared for the bench, the right talent selected for the jobs that needed to be done and that the learning and development happened from a broad-based perspective for those people who 
needed the skill development to serve the customer and do the job, regardless of which functional area it was. That's another uh, aspect of the complexity of the job was there were so many functional groups that we were responsible for because we had learning and development for all of Comcast cable. So you had the technicians, the network engineers, the, the call center uh, representatives, the salespersons, the inbound, the outbound, the residential, the commercial. So it was a really fun, exciting job. I loved it. I had the best job in the company. And I told that to Mr. Roberts many times. And yes, and Comcast is more than just Philadelphia. It's all around the United yeah. States. I yes. remember, remember we spoke with um, some of your group and in another uh, city. So, you know, definitely a lot of challenges working around the country. Um, so that's fascinating. I wanted to see if we could just rewind a little bit and, you know, if you could talk a little bit about some of your aspects of your 25 years um, with the Department of Army that helped to connect um, to your experiences at Comcast and help it to make it a little easier. If you if you could um, touch on that, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. And that's a great question, Dr. Oliver. Working with the Army, I learned to plan, execute, and evaluate on a dime. Mm -hmm. And in the evaluation, you did one of two things. Whatever you did worked and you move on or it didn't work and you regroup and you fix it. And why would I bring this up? Because planning, executing and evaluating is very much about problem solving. Mm -hmm. and you as a leader and I as a leader and all of those hundreds of leaders and Comcast and the organizations around us, it, it's, the jobs are very much about solving problems. And mm -hmm. a problem isn't necessarily something that's bad. It could be like a new innovative process or initiative that we're putting in place. But by having that skill set, I feel like I came in running mm -hmm. when I took the job at Comcast because I knew how to problem solve and also knew how to learn the business. Um, because you had to learn the business of the army in order to do the job and protect the soldiers in the field and give them what they needed uh, to be safe and sound. And so with that, it was just a skill set that has paid off over and over and over for me, regardless of where I show up to do a job. And those skills of planning, organizing, managing are so fundamental to leadership. Um, and so that's really great, that transition from the Army into, um, you know, into the corporate world. So um, really fascinating that you map that over um, and connected. So we've said several times already that Comcast is a large organization, lots of frontline employees, customer focus. I, again, that's what we helped um, you on as a doctoral um, group, a student group at that, um, to help you with some, some frontline customer issues. Um, what would you say were some of the challenges and opportunities in leading um, the learning and development organization? That's kind of a big question. <laughs> it's a great question. Yeah. I would say to you that Comcast is a very smart company and it's a fast moving company. And so it was very important that I and my team stayed on top of changes in products or new products or new ways of providing a service to a customer or a new system that supported the customer experience. So things were forever evolving and changing. And the majority of our employees were on the front line 
supporting the customer every day, either in the home or in the field or in the plant or leading those people who were doing those jobs. So it was it was a huge amount of work that needed to be done, but we had to stay on top of the business. We had to make sure that what we were doing for the employees was what was right and what was right for the customer. So it was an, it was an evolution. Almost every day, things were evolving uh, to ensure that we were keeping up with what needed to be done uh, for the business. I always told my team members that, you know, we, we don't bring a dollar of revenue into this place, but the jobs that you do every day helping our employees influences almost every dollar that comes into this company. Uh, because learning and development is so important. But uh, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of learning for me. It was a lot of learning for my team members, just making sure that we knew what was important each and every day. So thank you, Dr. Soren, for sharing that. I mean, you're right. The customer is key and it's such a customer service oriented organization. And so tying learning and development to customer service is really, really powerful. So um, another question, I, I understand that Comcast it has a high robust potential development approach. Um, okay, so that sounds really, really fascinating. Can you just tell us a little bit about what a robust high potential development approach is? Absolutely. It's important to any organization to ensure that we have a robust broad-based leadership development program, as well as a robust high potential development program. And I think an area that we excelled the most at Comcast was in the high potential arena. We mm -hmm. had programs that developed the hourly employee. Very few companies have this, but we had it for the hourly employee. Mm -hmm all the way through the leadership ranks to the regional senior vice president of the organization. And in building those programs, we had internal faculty members from the business to help us in building the curriculum and also delivering it. So just say that we were building a frontline program to teach hourly technicians how to be great supervisors if they were selected to be that supervisor. We had people who were doing the supervisory job help us. And then if you take it a, a few steps further and you go up the hierarchy to the regional senior vice president, these are people who manage big parts of the geography of our company from an operations perspective. And they would roll up their sleeves and sit with my team and we would build what the curriculum should look like to ensure they had a great experience so they would be ready for that role if they were selected. And so the faculty helped us immensely in doing that. Uh, Reflecting on some of the results there, uh, Dr. Oliver, if you look at the data from the frontline program, mm -hmm. our promotion rates within the first 12 months were higher than some of the other levels within the organization. And I think that's you know a, a big shout out to Comcast and its de dedication to growing the leadership within the organization instead of just appointing people. Uh, we had promotion rates as high as 80% and a couple mm -hmm. of markets within that 12 month period. But we had great promotion rates across the different levels, but we ensured that we had a great bench, that we did what mm -hmm. we needed to do to develop and grow people. We ensured that they got the right experiences. You know yourself mm -hmm. how important experiential learning is. Mm -hmm. and made sure that they had those right opportunities, the right exposure to the right leaders, the right mentors, the right coaches, 
And uh, so they could be successful and hit the ground running when they made it to that next level. Well, thank you for sharing that, Dr. Soren. I mean, to me, this really shows your investment in people, mm -hmm. um, especially high growth and uh, promoting them and just having these courses and programs, I imagine really helped in the retention and even engagement of your employees. Um, so uh, that's really fantastic, a fantastic uh, story there. So now leading to story, the next question is storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you were um, mentioning that, or you, at one point when we talked, you were mentioning that it was really important, important to marketing of what you do or what you did at Comcast and mm -hmm. developing others, teaching uh, leadership and business. Um, tell us a little bit about storytelling, because storytelling, you're right, is is so important to me. It's almost like a, a hook to bring people in to different things you're trying to impart. So Dr. Oliver, I am a storyteller <laughs> and uh, I, I, I love helping others tell the story of what they're doing. We all put decks together. We can all pull data together, but unless we can share the story in the right way, we're not going to have the same amount of impact and the amount of recollection of what we said will be much lower without the good story to go with it. And it's not just around the data or the value mm -hmm. of the work that we're doing. It's also around the leadership experience. We can tell a story about a leadership experience to support an important principle of leadership and guaranteed those learners will remember the story far longer than mm -hmm. anything that you and I lectured about. Right. And, I'll, and I'll give just like a, a little a little simple story that I've used mm -hmm. so many times. And it's around the fact that words matter mm -hmm. as, as a leader, the words that we use, the words that we say when we're interacting with our team members or others are really important and truly matter. And I had a team member and she was a frontline manager and we were chatting one day about pets. And I said, well, I don't like cats. I don't have cats. <laughs> I don't like cats. Uh, but I'm really great with other people loving their cats and, and you know, having them as pets because I had them as a child. And there's a long story to that, but I won't go into that one. But here's where I'm going with this one. Not even thinking, Dr. Oliver, mm -hmm. I gave this young lady a gift at the holiday season. And it was some all occasion cards. And each card had a cat on the front. Oh. Okay. So nice. Very she nice. opened the gift and she had tears to run down her mm -hmm. face. And I said, Oh my goodness, what, what's wrong? And she said to me, I know you don't like cats. Does this mean you don't like me? Oh, wow. And, and so that's a very valid point. And mm -hmm. it, she listened to my earlier discussion about pets, right? And, and the cats, but she also made the connection. And I think as leaders, it's really important that uh, mm -hmm. we understand words matter, but that we'll also understand that sometimes telling the stories about the things that we did right or the things that we didn't do so right, it really mm -hmm. helps others get a lesson from that. Mm -hmm. I promise you there are many people around Comcast paying attention to the words they use because I've shared that story uh, with them, along with many, many other stories. Wow, that's so powerful. Words matter. 
mm-hmm. um, that will stick with me because you're right. What we say can really influence leadership. Um, what a great story. I love that. By the way, I also teach academically and I have lots of students who have cats and I love when the cats walk across the computer and the tail goes under their nose. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I enjoy that. But that's a very powerful story um, which really resonates and the importance of storytelling is so great. Um, so I thank you for sharing that, Dr. Soren. Um, so I wanted to take just a little different Um, direction in our discussion today. So in a way, we're in post-COVID. I mean, post-COVID, that's debatable, but um, the major pandemic has changed and a lot of things are coming back to normal or whatever normal is. (laughs) Um, What's your take on talent management today, Um, especially in the media and entertainment um, industry or a, co- a media and entertainment company such as Comcast? What, what what do you see is going on today? Yes. So, Dr. Oliver, I don't know that things will ever convert back to what we had before the pandemic when it comes to the workplace, how talent works and how we progress talent and how we reward talent because so much changed. Mm -hmm. I believe that the workforce has become a bit intolerant. And I mean by that intolerant of some of the changes that we're putting in place post pandemic. And I'll give you an example. One of the, I'll use this as a quote. One of the quotes that I hear most frequently is, I don't understand why my company is demanding that I go back to work two days or three days or five days, whatever it might be. I just don't understand why, why they're mandating that they trusted us during COVID and we excelled. We did a great job, but now suddenly we're not trusted to work remotely or to not show up in that workspace in the workplace. So that's one side of it. But then there's the other side of it, Dr. Oliver, where I know organizations are are looking to rebuild teamwork mm-hmm. and, and rebuild the face-to-face development opportunities that we get through exposure meetings or coaching or mentoring, those things that are that are hard to get through a camera. I mean, they're there, but it's just mm-hmm. not the same. So we're caught kind of caught in a catch-2020 when it comes around where we work. I think too that uh, our employees have low tolerance for leadership not paying attention to their well-being. And I would put in their well-being, their focus on family, because Mm -hmm. that changed a lot, right? I, I know I had this group of young talent that I was speaking with on a webinar and they shared with me, you know, one of the things I love about the remote environment is I get to meet the family members and the cats and the dogs. Mm-hmm. of my teammates. And when I show up at the workplace, that doesn't happen. So it opens up a whole new environment and set of, you know, friends and the relationships that I build virtually. So somehow we've got to figure it out. I don't think anyone has, but there's a lot of work to be done. And I, I think there's a lot of measurement that needs to happen mm-hmm. from an engagement perspective, just to see what's working and what's not. Like I like to dropped my hat when Zoom decided to make their employees come back in the workplace. Right. Right? 
because they had enabled us uh, during the pandemic. But I've said a lot. I think a talent is a little antsy. Talent is ready to move mm -hmm. to what they want because they are intolerant mm -hmm. of a lot of things these days. I, I hope we all learn together and, and we come out of this by really evolving the workplace so that people are eager to do what needs to be done, mm -hmm. eager to show up where they need to show up, regardless of where it is, and uh, that we continue growing great talent and progressing great talent. Well, that's a fantastic response. I actually have gotten the, those types of questions in the past couple of months. You know, what what do I think about going back to work, being remote? And, you know, I get so many different responses. And it's, it is, you're right, it's a challenge. To me, that door has been open to allow people to work um, at home. And so it, it's a big challenge. In addition to the cats walking on the computer, I have students... Um, that brings so many family members yes. into, as you said, you know, little kids, it's wonderful as they're going to bed or, and they wave into the camera or husbands or wives or partners, whomever, dogs, dogs as well. Sure. Uh, but you're right. It's still a dilemma. Um, and, you know, I, I really appreciate what you're saying about trying to still develop um, talent wherever they are. Um, so thank you. Know, you. You know, one of the things I kind of, if I worry about anything, I worry that people feel they're not trusted and mm -hmm. somehow we've, we've got to get past that, right? How, how do we build that essence of trust mm -hmm. and real right. trust around the expectations and where we work? And by the way, I like seeing the cats and dogs on the screen too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my thing to add to what you're saying is this whole work-life balance. I mean, yes. you do do, I mean, I know when, I teach um, tonight, uh, my students will take a quiz and I will put the trash out and then come back. And so, you know, <laughs> it, right. it's this balance. That's right. Yeah. So fascinating. So you're really connected to a lot of peer groups. You're connected to my doctoral program, the University of Pennsylvania. We call it the Penn CLO group. It's a um, adult education doctoral chief learning officer. And um, you're part of that group um, and you're connected to that. And I know you are connected to other groups across the globe. What would you, uh, what are you hearing? What are you seeing about recruiting, retaining engagement, ta engaging talent? Yeah, so a few things. One is there's a lot going on with the globalization of talent. Mm -hmm. uh, we're being more far reaching uh, in how we recruit and acquire the talent. Our organizations are becoming more global. I can remember when Comcast was not a global organization and today it is. So the world of work is expanding and we've got to respond and, and meet the changing demands. I think too, we have an aging workforce. I was mm -hmm. on a call with a young lady today. The subject was, you know, what can we do to ensure we have the bench ready because we do have aging talent and they're going to be exiting and, and we're not doing anything to store their wisdom or their intellects so of what might we do. So organizations are looking more at apprenticeships or mm -hmm. at internships, things that they can do to bring in new talent. I'm not going to use the word younger talent, maybe younger in careers, but how do we bring in the, the right people and give him, them the right experiences and exposure and education mm -hmm. 
and, and help them to seek out the knowledge from those people who are more experienced before those people exit. Uh, so there's a lot of thought going into how to capture that and how to get the bench ready. Um, I think that what talent is asking us for from salary expectations mm -hmm. and benefit expectations is changing. And how do we ensure that we don't have the haves and the have-nots? Mm -hmm. Because you ha we have the people who are doing the asking, they're, they're new to organizations in a lot of cases, and they're getting more money than perhaps people who've been around for a while. And so how do we manage through that so that people uh, feel that there's more fairness when it comes to the way that uh, they are compensated? And so organizations are working with mm -hmm. that. And just really building the the right programs to develop the skills we need because organizations are looking at going to a skill-based organization where like for you and for me some of the credentials we have wouldn't be as important in that skill right. yeah it's what what is it that you can actually do and uh building uh work around the skills that are needed versus a particular uh, job and so there's a lot going on in the thought space around that as well. Well, I think we could have another conversation or another podcast around generations in the workplace and yes. um, learning style, communication style, working expectations. Yes, salaries are so important as well. And then another huge thing is knowledge management. And yep. you know, as baby boomers leave, how do we capture that knowledge? So. Um, maybe there's another podcast ahead. <laughs> well, that, that could be a good thing if, if, you know, we could get some good thought leaders to help mm -hmm. brainstorm and find ways to make mm -hmm. that happen. Maybe we can have a, a multi-group. Yes. Um, so some more questions, if, um, and I really appreciate this time from you. So um, at one point in some of the things that I teach and study, I learned that um, training and development, learning and development is like a $1.9 billion industry. Um, now those numbers can be different right now, but um, why do you see learning and development um, is so important to organizations? What, what's so critical about learning and development? Well, there are a few things. Uh, one is I've always felt that a consistent learner experience is going to get you closer to a consistent customer experience. Mm -hmm. So if we kind of back into that, if we teach the right information, the right systems and the right skills, then we're probably going to have a higher level of customer experience. Mm -hmm. So that would, that would be one of the reasons. Another is organizations that invest in their people, whether it's through the skill building or knowledge building, but through high potential development and through broad based uh, development, it is perceived as a benefit. The organization is giving me something for what I do every day. The organization is helping me to grow and to learn and to progress. And it's seen as a benefit. At Comcast, we built the training hours that mm -hmm. people completed. We built it into their annual reward statement as mm -hmm. something that they gained, as something that we gave to them uh, because they're important to the organization. So organizations that have a learning culture where learning is appreciated and you have faculty members coming out of the business, mm -hmm. you have senior leaders who stand up and and give the messaging around the the business 
It, it doesn't get much better than that. And mm -hmm. all of it is very, very important in moving the needle on the business as well as the customer experience and mm -hmm. growing teams. Yes. I mean, again, great insight, Dr. Soren. Um, I think the customer is so important everywhere in all industries. And this um, benefit, I was lucky and honored to do a leadership program earlier this year for a group of managers in um, the state of New Jersey. And it was seen as a, ba a badge of honor. They got selected and they came and they um, really were proud of it, and especially when they got their certificate. So you're right. I think that's such a great reward for people to to give them leadership training and you know dr oliver i think in the case that you just shared with the program in new jersey mm -hmm. i think it's really important that we let people know why they were selected to be mm -hmm. here you were selected because you're mm -hmm. great you have potential uh, mm -hmm. we appreciate you whatever the reasons are by letting them know that some organizations don't, but by mm -hmm. letting them know that they're going to feel more valued and they're going to have a better story to share mm -hmm. when they yes. come out the other end with that certificate or that diploma or whatever it might be. And their stories were powerful. And the other thing that was really interesting, it was a large organization, but people were from all different parts of the organization mm -hmm. and they all came in, they knew of each other, but they got to know each other better. And they found that they had some of the same challenges with their employees, even though they were in very different divisions. And I imagine you experienced that at Comcast, you know, people doing different types of work, but having similar challenges and opportunities with employees. I, indeed. And I think that, the cross-functional learning experience that you're sharing there is magical mm -hmm. because when I can see what I do in customer service and how mm -hmm. it impacts the leader in technical operations, then I'm going to be more cognizant of how I engage, what I produce, mm -hmm. what I give, because I understand how it impact, impacts my colleague in another mm -hmm. part of the organization. The more cross-functionally smart we get, the more mm -hmm. valuable we are to the organization. Yeah, that's so powerful, that connection. I call it cross-pollination there. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so now I have a really kind of a, a, a big, heavy, heavy question here. Um, what is your philosophy on leadership? What advice do you have for leadership, whether they're brand new, up and coming, or maybe someone who's been around for a while? Yeah, so I have three key principles that I want every leader to work on and to, to make happen mm -hmm. and to excel at. And they are, number one, do what's right. If you have doubt about what you're doing, then ask someone. But always do what's right. What's right for the business, what's right for your people, what's right mm -hmm. for the organization, and so forth. The next is always be good to people. You cannot afford to mistreat employees. And I have seen it happen and you've seen it happen, Dr. Oliver. Mm -hmm. you've, you've heard people raise voices or use mm -hmm. word choices that aren't right, but don't. To be a great leader, you've got to be good to people. And then the third is to get the job done and get it done right. And in doing so, by being a great leader, you're going to have people following you and they're going to do great work and they're mm -hmm. going to other great leaders. So I will just summarize by 
do what's right, be good to people and get that job done. It's, it's fairly simplistic. And I think too, as I, I look at a leader getting caught between what's strategic and what's tactical as they're doing all of that work that has to be done, I like to put an umbrella out in front of people. Mm -hmm. When when we're strategic and, and we're building and we're innovating, we're on top of that umbrella. But when we're getting tactical and into the day-to-day -day business of what our team members are doing, we're up under that umbrella, right? We're getting mm -hmm. into the intense space. So as leaders, let's also ensure that we distinguish between our strategic space and our tactical space because in doing so, people are going to feel more appreciated when they're given the right to do the jobs under that umbrella that they were asked to do, while we as the leaders are up on top uh, building the strategy and looking forward. Well, I think you have a great book ahead of you if you have time. Well, <laughs> you help me. I'm happy to help you. Do what's right. Always be good to people. Get the job done. So yep. I think that's fantastic. I'm happy to help out. Um, so something else, uh, coaching has been around for a while and we think of coaching in sports, but coaching is, is coming into the, um, you know, the business world and it's really growing a lot. And so you're a senior executive coach. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you are doing in this field? I'll be glad to. And, and first I'll go back probably about eight or 10 years ago. And I will say to you that during that time period, coaching was looked at as being something that would correct me, something mm -hmm. that would put me on the right path because I hadn't been doing things necessarily the way they should have been done. Today, it's very different. Coaching is a blessing. Having mm -hmm. a coach is yeah. like a gift. Mm -hmm. Someone is there to support us and to help guide us and to give advice. So as I think of coaching today at Comcast, we built a really great transition coach coaching program so that anyone who was promoted or hired into the company into a leadership role or that just moved across horizontally into a different leadership role, mm -hmm we would give them a transition coach to help them get acquainted with mm -hmm. the role and the people and, and to feel more comfortable in what it was that they were now doing. Uh, I am a pro bono coach for mm -hmm. Air Consulting. Yeah. And I will say to you, Dr. Oliver, the gift that I get back from mm -hmm. helping these not-for-profit leaders Mm -hmm. who don't have access to a lot of the corporate mm -hmm. funding and things that you and I have had over the years, just to see the lights come on or, or to see them change something that they're doing mm -hmm. is truly magical. Coaching is a way of helping others. And I like to think of my role as being someone who just probes and asks mm -hmm. questions to get the client where the client mm -hmm. needs to land. I don't tell the, the client or the coachee, here's what you need to do. I might say, well, how does that work? What might you do in response to that? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? So a, a good coach helps the coachee get where he or she needs to be mm -hmm. uh, by driving some self-assessment. And those nonprofit leaders do, do such great jobs in the community. And so it's yes. fantastic that your organization um, helps them. Can you tell us a little bit about if someone wants to 
have coaching come into their organization? How does it work? Um, you know, how do they get coaching in or a coach? So there are a couple of ways. One is to develop an internal coaching cadre, right? Mm -hmm. That can be done, uh, getting folks certified or reaching out to organizations that provide executive coaches. Like I am also a senior executive coach for Air Consulting. Mm -hmm. I, I am available to coach anyone who asks and Air provides that kind of service as well as doing group coaching and many other uh, aspects of help for people in the workplace. What's really great is finding an organization that has great assessment tools mm -hmm. and, and really great credentialed coaches, people mm -hmm. with not just the book sense, but the experience. So there are easy, it's easy to do. It's, you know, starts with a phone call to, to those organizations and, uh, and just making it happen, but know what it is that you want coached, mm -hmm. right? Like in our high right. potential programs at Comcast, you know, we offered a coach and or a mentor to all of the high potentials. And that could be an internal or an external coach, just depending on what the role was. Um, you mentioned that you've been coaching or been involved in it with several years. Have you seen the way people perceive coaching? Um, is that different today? And what might be different than what it was a few years ago? I would say the eagerness from the coachee, mm -hmm. the client, the eagerness for outside help to do things differently. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, that coachee will be rewarded through his or her boss, either through feedback or uh, improved ways of doing things. At the end of the day, we 99% of us, according to mm -hmm. Dr. Deming, way back when, right? 99% of us show up to work every day to do a good job. We really want to do a good job. Some people just don't care. Care. It might be a little closer to 2% now who mm -hmm. don't care uh, based on some research. But why not give people the resources they need to excel? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that, that's fantastic. And uh, a whole other discussion is how to become a coach because anyone who's interested in becoming a coach, there are many entities, organizations um, that can give you that experience. It's almost like to me getting a degree um, right. and then, um, being connected with a coaching um, institute. That's right. So, so we're coming to a close in our discussion. This has just been fascinating. And my brain is going in so many directions. <laughs> um, I wanted to just ask you um, a couple questions about your career. Mm -hmm. So you have a fantastic career and you've done a lot of really exciting things. Did you plan this career um, path or movement or did it kind of just happen? It's a great question. I am a calculated risk taker when it comes to my career. So therefore I'm more planful than mm -hmm. perhaps most. So I, I did know at what point I wanted to move into learning and development. I did know at what point I needed to get a degree in education to really get myself ready. I did know when I was ready to pivot from Army to the corporate mm -hmm. world. And, and I, I worked at it really hard. And that is a podcast in itself and mm -hmm. how that transition happened. But I believe that we should stay in the driver's seat of where we take our career. That's not to say that we won't step aside and do a gig or we won't step aside and do a project that the business needs us to do. 
but I think it's important that we follow our passion and our desires, mm -hmm. because I think when we're happy with the work we're doing, that we're going to be better leaders and we're going to help the culture to be a more positive culture. And so I would say I'm a planner mm -hmm. uh, and it worked out well. And I stayed in the driver's seat. I, I didn't let that car move off into the ditch at any point mm -hmm. in time. Right. <laughs> and it worked out beautifully, but I did work hard. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I worked really hard, not just with my job, but mm -hmm. with planning what I wanted to do next. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is a little story. There's magic in post-it notes. When, oh, yes. I, when I was working on something for my career, I would break things down into little steps and I would put a step on a, a post-it note. I would have little stacks of post-it notes running down the wall. And mm -hmm. it was so therapeutic to pull a, a post-it note off when I got one of those steps done. But it's because I was so focused on ensuring that I built my career uh, the way I wanted to build it. And I would say that I have had the best bosses, the best leaders and the best opportunities, both with Department of Army at Comcast, uh, unbelievable people to support me and help me. And I will say to you, uh, Dr. Oliver, one of the most frequently asked questions I get about my career is you were in the Army and or you worked for the Army mm -hmm. and you were also in the cable industry. And those are very male dominated industries. Mm -hmm. How in the world did you succeed as a female? And I will say to you, I never had a male try to hold me back. Mm -hmm. but I could give you a list of women who felt it was their role to hold me back. Right. Wow. So I share that because we should all support each other, men mm -hmm. and women alike, as they work on their careers. That's really, really powerful. Great suggestions. Um, and so um, I just love your mini story there. I actually had a student today. She came in early and pulled out a stack of post-it notes. <laughs> and Hi. she said, I'm excited. I can throw these three um, away. <laughs> and um, it, I do post-it notes all the time. I also do to-do list as well. And yeah. It's rewarding to check them off. But um, thank you for your story about your career journey and being a strategic risk taker. Um, a lot of people are, you know, afraid to take a risk. Um, so I think that's fantastic. So in closing, do you have any other advice for others in their career planning? What, what advice might you have? I mean, I don't know if everybody can be strategic, but what ad additional advice do you have? I would say own it. Be mm -hmm. bold. Be courageous. Be resilient. Every time I made a step, it doesn't mean that I got good news. There were times I had to regroup, right, as I was moving through my career progression. But mm -hmm. the bolder we are, the more courageous we are, and the more resilient we are when things don't necessarily go our way, the better off we'll be. So own it. Mm -hmm. Make it happen. Go there. Do it. It's not that hard. Yep. That's and great. sometimes you have to leave a boss. Right. Right. And be smart enough to know when you need to leave a boss. Mm -hmm. That right. didn't happen to me at Comcast, but <laughs> I will say I had it happen one time with Department right. of Art. Yes. Right. Or leave an organization or leave yes. what you're doing to, to, as you said, pivot into something else. Yes. Well, I just cannot thank you enough. Um, Dr. Martha Soren, 
CEO of Soren and Associates, Senior Executive Coach and Advisor. Um, what a great conversation today on talent development and leadership learning, high potentials, um, coaching, risk-taking, just fantastic discussion. Um, it's such an honor to have you be in the podcast series, and I can't thank you enough. It's absolutely my pleasure, Dr. Oliver. And I will never forget the great work that you did for me at Comcast, you and your group, when you did the research project. And you shared with us at the end of your research, this isn't working. You need to abandon this. And you were absolutely right. Why would I share that? You're not always going to get the news you want. But having great experts like you to help mm -hmm. really meant a lot. And I just look forward to us continuing our partnership. I do too. And I'm ha happy to help with the book and other initiatives. So thank you so, so very much. You're so um, I wanted to thank all the viewers who are here. Thank you very much for viewing our podcast today. Um, Dr. O and Next Steps to Leadership. If you need any assistance in your own career or in your own organizations. Dr. Soren and I are here to help you in any of these issues, talent development, leadership, learning, and coaching. So thank you for viewing this. And um, that's with uh, my organization, HRC Vision. So thank you and um, have a great day, everyone. You've been tuning into Next Steps to Leadership with your host, Dr. Stephen Oliver. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website, hrcvision.com. Thank you for your positive feedback, comments, questions, and for sharing the show with others.